0: Hello and welcome. Happy Tuesday. It's This Is Going Well, I Think, with David Cooper. I am David Cooper. It's This Is Going Well, I Think, the show where no one's listening. No one cares where every show's the last one. Today, a smelly guest. He stinks. At least when he's working, he might. He's a proctologist. He's quite popular on the internets. He practices north of Los Angeles at Thousand Oaks Proctology. You can find him on TikTok at Tushy Doc. And the phone number for his practice not something I'd normally give out, but it's amazing. 805-230-BUTZ. That's B-U-T-Z or B-U-T-Z if you're in Canada. So let's dive in and let's dive deep with proctologist Dr. David Rosenfeld. Hi, David. Hi, David. Dr. David Rosenfeld. Thank you for doing this.
1: Sure. Thanks for having
0: me. I am thrilled, to say the least, to have you here. <laughs> Thank you.
1: You look like a very young man, like in your early, mid-20s. mid
0: Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know if you're hitting on me, but it's working. I'll tell you that <laughs> much. I am 37. Okay. Wow. How long have you been doing butt stuff? <laughs>
1: Since 97. Wow. Yeah, 20, uh, 27 years now.
0: Why does one go in this field? I feel like that's a question you get a lot. Uh, And please don't just say it's for the money. But I I do know that (laughs) proctologists can do well. But why does one go in this field?
1: It's my number one question.
0: I know. And I'm sure you're sick of answering it, but I'm sure every time you answer it, the person is fascinated.
1: Yeah. Well, my, my, my canned answer is that uh, my dad told me when I was a teenager, if you want to be successful, you have to love what you do. You have to work really hard. And you have to start at the bottom and work your way up. And I'm like, OK, you know, I, what, can, what job does that? So I went into this and I'm, I'm still working my way up. I keep telling him, Dad, I, that was bad advice. I'm, I'm still at the bottom.
0: There you go. Isn't there a, a, a Kramer quote about proctologists? I just tried to look it up, but I couldn't find it, where he said, if you're ever near one at a party, uh, hang right there. Stay there, grab a drink, because the anecdotes are always amazing.
1: It's possible. I know they had Futsil Jerry in the show. Um, you know, I've seen that episode, and everyone talks about that. In fact, when I first started out, the um, producer of the show, I don't know which one, but he went into an office in Beverly Hills and spoke with the proctologist. I was there. They were there for a reason, and they came up with the episode. And they wanted uh, Cooperman, Doctor Cooperman, to be on the show, but he, he wasn't there. At the very very end, they showed his door, and I actually worked in that office for about seven years. I joined that group. Cooperman had happened to have retired already, and I joined and I heard the story that he was the uh, kind of the impetus for that.
0: Wow, you worked with the official, the original ass man. That was the 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 license plate of the doctor in the show.
1: Yeah, in the office, right? And I don't know if that was his license plate because he he retired about three years before I got there, four years before I got there. But I worked with his partners, and uh, they, you know, everybody shares the story about how that happened. And uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, being a proctologist is it's interesting. Um, you know, being the life of the party. I'm I'm not really, you know, I, have, I mean, I have a lot of jokes, but I'm not a comedian. You know, I just do my thing. I'm very, I'm I'm pretty chill. Uh, you'd be surprised, I mean, how the conversation turns when people find out your proctology.
0: I'm sure. And you mentioned the license plate because that was in Seinfeld. You don't know if that was the real license plate, but I will say this. I have IBS. I have long celebrated my, I don't even call it irritable bowel. I call it irate bowel because my bowels are angry, uh, Dr. Rosenfeld. But when I moved to New York, I wanted a vanity plate for my motorcycle. And so I requested Man, P-O-O-M-A-N, and they uh, rejected it. So, and, but I do have a, a check from the comptroller's office of the state of New York with the memo of the check. It just says Poo Man refunding me for the fee that you pay for a vanity license plate. So I'm going to frame that check because I have a government check that says Poo Man on it.
1: I'm surprised they won one. They wouldn't do that. I mean, I I see so many things out there that are close. I mean,
0: they want like a description of why. And I wrote, I'm a member of like the people's order of, I don't know. I just made up like an organization with the, because I knew they wouldn't.
1: (laughs) I have IBS and I'm crapping all the time. I'm like the poo man. They probably said, okay, that will do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I wore my sweater for you, even though it's really hot in my apartment. It's the IBM logo. uh, But as IBS, I just showed it to you. And uh, that kills in San Francisco. I lived in the Bay Area for 10 years. Oh, you did? Uh, I did before I moved to New York. And all the techies know the IBM logo. And so whenever I wear this sweater there, it kills. But in New York, people are like, why are you wearing that ugly thing?
1: That's funny. Yeah, IBM, I I told I have a little cartoon about all the boats I would have. And IBM is one of them. And then, uh, yeah, the floater would be another one. Uh, Rear Admiral. Those are all the names of the boats if I had a boat.
0: Yeah, I had something like I think 200 or some odd bitcoins in 2011. And I sold them at about a $400 loss. I bought them for like a dollar, and I sold them for like 75 cents or something. I don't remember. Uh, And also I I had a lot of, not that I like Elon Musk, but I do like how much money I would have had if I didn't sell my Tesla stock in 2013 when it took a slight dip. Now it's, anyway...
1: Well, funny. well, I had Twitter until he bought it and then changed it. Now they're not even on the market. I don't know what happened to my shares, but I think they're worthless because he...
0: You should have gotten some money for them. You should have gotten a check or a deposit in your brokerage account. Nothing.
1: It's a, He turned it into X, and then I asked my uh, advisor. I said, so what happened? He goes, nothing. He goes, you got shares of nothing. He says, it's not there anymore. But I
0: shouldn't, <laughs> there, there should be some extra money in your account because, they, you know what? I don't want to... Let's not do... Uh... I just got in an argument with my friend who's a uh, financial planner last night about how I'm organizing my finances. Uh, okay. Let's talk you. Let's talk proctology. I feel like if you had a bad story about why you got into it, everyone would be mad. Like if it was just, oh, I, I don't know. I got the best grades in med school and courses related. You, I feel like you're almost forced to have a great story. And if you don't have one, you got to make one up.
1: Well, the first one is that one. The other one is my dad is a, was a dentist. I mean, he was a dentist for like, Forty-eight years, and he retired. And I said, "I said, man, I would never want to be a dentist. That's so gross, putting your hands in people's mouths all day." So was, people look at me and like, "But well, wait a 2nd I'm like, "I'm just kidding." Like they actually think I'm serious. I mean, that's the that's the funny part when they when I tell them that they go, "But that's but but I go, I'm kidding."
0: Mouths are way grosser than butts. I think if you look at just a cursory look at the adult internet, people are way more interested in going in and out of butts than they are mouths.
1: Yeah, I don't. So I, you know, I've got. I have all of my answers, but I mean, the real one is just better lifestyle and it was, it was true. I mean, I definitely have a better lifestyle being a proctologist than I would a general surgeon or thoracic surgeon or you know, any specialist. So um, that was really the main reason and, and uh, I don't take call anymore. I don't even do major colorectal surgery, which I trained to do. I just do proctology. So I'm truly a butt doctor. Um, I was thinking of getting a plate that had like butt MD on it or butt doctor, but I just left it alone.
0: Yeah, well, the disappointment when my plate was rejected, so. Uh, yeah. I don't want to put you through that.
1: No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be rejected by the DMV out here.
0: Okay, so let me, let's go through some of these things my producer wanted to talk to you about. Uh, in particular, I was watching one of your videos on fecal impaction. You want to walk me through what that is and why I should be worried about it?
1: So, uh, thanks for watching the video. David, I really appreciate it.
0: I mean, they're great videos. And, and honestly, Tushy Doc, I couldn't say no.
1: <laughs> I am, you know, just real quick. My mean follower is 55 and, and, and older and 75% are women. Interesting. So it's very interesting that my demographic is 55 years, years young and women. So I'm very I'm very blessed.
0: I don't, I don't, it doesn't surprise me because I feel like men are idiots. We don't care about our health. We're like, we're fine. Whereas women are smart. They're like, okay, I should know about my health. And
1: yeah, I'm trying to get the younger generation. I'm thinking all these kids, I mean, it's all about farting and pooping. I think they'd be like laughing left and right and sharing the videos, but it'll happen when it happens. But fecal impaction is, um, so impaction is when something gets stuck in an area and, the rectum is the last part of the colon. Um, it's a pretty muscular organ and uh, it's, it's a reservoir. Basically like the bladder is a reservoir for urine and it just holds urine and as the bladder gets distended, it hits a certain point where it signals the brain, okay, that's enough. And the brain says, okay, I got it. and It fires the nerves and the bladder contracts and pushes urine out. It's the same thing with the rectum and the anus. When the rectum gets distended to a certain point, it triggers the brain. The brain says, okay. It squeezes the rectum and you get the urge to go to the bathroom and all the stool comes out. If we get constipated, uh, the one thing that the colon does, its main job, its main function is to suck water out of the colon for the body because the body needs water. So it's a dehydrating organ. And if you get if we get a little constipated and the stool sits in the rectum, the rectum is still absorbing water. So the stool gets a little bit harder and a little bit harder and firmer, and it becomes bigger, and it gets harder to go through the narrow opening of the anus. And even though the anus can open pretty wide, when, when it gets impacted, it's just too big to come out. Then the hard part is that, one, there's cramping inside the rectum. So the rectum's squeezing to get the stool out, okay? And the anus on the other end is squeezing, saying, oh, no, 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 no. I know it's coming out, and there's no way I can handle that volume of stool. It's just going to rip. I, I don't want that. So it's like having two ends of a blown-up balloon. You're squeezing one end, and you're squeezing the other end, and in the middle, there's a lot of pressure, and it causes tremendous pain in the pelvis. Also, the problem patients have is the only stool that will come out is liquid stool. So, when liquid stool comes down, it goes around that impaction along the lining of the bowel, and it gets to the anus, and it just comes flowing out because you can't hold it in, and now this liquid stool, which is like battery acid, is pouring all over the anus basically you know, all day, and it really starts to burn the anal you know, skin, which causes pain, which causes spasm, and then the rectum and the anus are both spasming. It's just really a nightmare.
0: I'm having like, what is it called? Like empathetic pain? Like, I feel the pain as you describe it.
1: Yeah, it's really harsh. I mean, if you, and, and, and anyone who's had IBS and who's had gas pain. So you get this really bad gas pain. It's kind of like crampy in your abdomen and it's just a little bit stuck and it's just like, whoa. I mean, it's like that kidney stone type pain. It, it really hurts. It, it can buckle people over. Um, now, when patients don't go to the bathroom and it remains impacted, it gets so tight in the rectum that the rectum lining, starts to die. It becomes what's called necrotic. And the lining gets so weak that the liquid stool will spout into the pelvis, and that can cause um, peritonitis and, or, and an abscess or even feculent peritonitis where so much stool leaks out, it's all over the abdomen. Is this life-threatening? It is life-threatening, absolutely. People get really sick when the rectum perforates and all that stool comes pouring out. And it's a tough operation to get into because there's stool everywhere and Those patients would require an ostomy or a a colostomy for a while. Um, But yeah, so when they come into the office, they'll tell me the story. I know exactly what's going on. And what we do in the office or the emergency room, uh, if they go there, is to basically do a digital exam, do a rectal exam, put a finger in, you feel the firm stool, and just use your finger to break up the stool into pieces and pull it out, you know, piece by piece, until you work the big the bolus, that large bolus of firm stool out and then a few enemas, the rest of it comes out. And I will tell you, um, as far as a satisfaction score.
0: <laughs> I'm feeling just like I was feeling the pain when you described it. I'm feeling the relief right now. They
1: yeah, they'll 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 rate it a twelve out of eleven. I'm I'm a twelve out of ten. I, I when I'm done and they they use the restroom and they sit in the chair, now their bottom's sore, obviously. The anal skin is pretty, pretty tender, but you can just see the look on their face. I mean, they come in in pain and agony, and just their eyes are just—they're sullen. They're just so down and out. Um, when they're they're leaving, their shoulders are—you know—their head is up, their shoulders up. They're they're smiling. I mean, I get hugs from all the patients. They're just—they're so blessed, and I'm blessed. I mean, I'm the one who's blessed. I think more than they are. I mean, I have this gift of being able to help them out of a really bad situation. But that is the one thing that really turns people around very quickly. Wow! The fact they come in and trust me to do it. I, I mean, again, more blessings. I mean, just so just amazing that uh, someone come in and trust me to do it. But when you're in, when you're in you know, dire straits like that, it's almost you're at a point where, you know, I've got nowhere to go and I'm on my knees. So just, just take me there on whatever you have to do with it.
0: So how to avoid it, I guess, is my question. I've got a graphic description of what happens and once it's happened, how to cure it. But how do I avoid it in the first place?
1: Right. Well, I tell patients if you don't if we don't have a bowel movement for 24 hours, then take a gentle laxative
0: that quick so if i'm not pooping once a day a gentle laxative pretty much i
1: mean if you're if your habits every day it's fine but if your habits every day and let's say you go eight o'clock every morning and you don't go that whole day you know wake up the following morning and it's really not there then the, the second day start taking a gentle laxative because that constipation you, you wait two days it gets a little bit worse so if you're typically an everyday person and you go you go full day without having a bowel movement the following day something to help you go if you didn't wake up and have a bubble in your time. A lot of people drink coffee, caffeine's a stimulant, so they don't have, they don't have issues um, because of drinking caffeine. Uh, prunes will help. Um, as far as, you know, if you haven't gone to the bathroom, try prunes, milk and magnesia is a good one. Senecat is a gentle laxative uh, that works really well. So some, so those are some of the gentle ones. And if nothing works over a couple days, then go to something stronger like Dulcolax.
0: So watch watch out for it early is what I'm hearing. Don't let a week go by until it's a, a crisis.
1: Correct. I mean, some people go three or four days and they haven't gone. That's when things start to really get, you know, get difficult because the stool's now a little bit too hard for them to go. And I have patients who've done it themselves. They said I had to put my finger in and pull out the stool. And they just knew in their own mind that this is what they were going to have to do. And then when they came in, they were feeling better. And I just made sure there was nothing left. And they did a really good job on
0: their own. Yeah, my girlfriend, of course, hasn't ever done that because I would never admit to the fact that she once woke up in the morning distraught, went and got some suppositories and did it herself. That never happened. No. I recently got the first finger up the butt, not in a sexual context, in a medical context, uh, because I was complaining about a little bit of blood in my stool. And I later found out bright red is probably good because it's on the outside. It's the blacky, dark brown where it's deep within the. Uh, and she said, I, my doctor, after doing an examination, she said, I have a fissure. Uh, and I got tested for, what was it, celiac? I don't have celiac. I still have to do a stool test for Crohn's. But she said if it doesn't go away, it, normally they heal on their own, which I think it has. I don't know. Pain or no pain? Uh, occasional pain when I have to wipe a lot, but generally no pain right now. But when I com- when I complained of it and when she gave me the exam, there was pain. But a friend of mine had a, a, a fissure that didn't heal. He got it from sex. He's gay and I don't know. He likes, he should use lube, but he doesn't. And he had to have a shot of Botox in his butt to try to stimulate a healing. Is that something that happens?
1: Correct. So and I love all that we're talking about. This is what I do every day, all day. I'm going to go back to the bleeding. So, whether it's painful or painless bleeding, for me, any blood, any patient comes in with blood. Uh, once he once it resolves, we get everything taken care of. I do recommend strongly if they're twenty years of age or older to get a colonoscopy.
0: Oh God, it's not that I don't want to do it. I don't want to take the laxative the night before. That sounds bad, but I'll do it. I know I have to do it.
1: I've done it three times. I've had it done, and and uh, I get it. You know, it's not it's not great, um, but it's it's doable. And if you have a polyp at a young age in your you know early thirties. And we don't look for it. And by early 40s, it could be cancer. And um, that's happened to the actor, you know, Mr. Boseman and uh, the Black Panther actor.
0: Yeah. And I had a great uncle who had colon cancer. My grandfather had it. I mean, they had it into their 80s, but I I, I, okay.
1: First thing is strongly recommended. Yeah. Okay. Polyps are very common in Americans and colon
0: cancer rates are going up. Well, I'm Canadian, so I don't have to worry about it.
1: <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Anybody who anybody living in this country after ten Damn years, it.
0: Okay. So I, I guess I should move back home. I have been in the US twelve years, so I get okay, fine, keep going.
1: You're the you're the risk. You're the same risk. So you no, know, these are all great points. I mean they're really good points. So we've just moved here from another country that doesn't have a high risk of colon cancer, it's a problem. I don't typically do much, but if they've been here ten years, then the risk goes to the country of origin that you're you know you're living in for that period of time. Um, and a fissure is the natal tear that really causes sharp pain. So, when people have a bowel movement and it feels like their skin is tearing, that's exactly what's happening. It's like a split lip. L'chaim. It'll hurt all day. Um, it'll bleed. The blood will drip in the bowl. That's a fissure. They will have on their own. Uh, there's a special ointment I usually give people, and then they're having a mad fiber. Uh, hemorrhoids are, you know, you're right. Red, red bleeding fissures, hemorrhoids, it's toward the end of the, of the, um, uh, the basically the, the, the large bowel, the anus. So when you get to the end of the, of the intestine, the large intestine, the anus, where everything comes out, it's very distal or toward the edge. So that's where hemorrhoids and fissures are. So bright red bleeding is, is typically better than the dark maroon stool or stool mixed in with the blood, like the old Goober's peanut butter and jelly that uh, I grew up with, you know, or black tarry stool, which is uh, more of an upper source for uh, cancer. Um, so yeah, those, those are definitely uh, some of the things to look out for.
0: Okay. I'm not. I, we didn't just have you on to solicit free medical advice. I promise. I mean, it was part of it, but not the only reason.
1: <laughs> this is what happens at parties, you know. I, I got 3rd sided party. A friend of mine came up. He goes, he's like David. I'm like, yeah. He goes, you got to check me out, man. He goes, I've got this lump on my bottom, and I'm freaking out. I got cancer. I, it was his daughter's birthday party. She was like six, and I said, you don't have cancer. He goes, I, I really need you to look at this. I said, all right, let's go look. So we went in the bedroom, locked the door. Dropped his pants, spread his cheeks, and said, "You've got a thrombosed hemorrhoid. It's not
0: cancer." Oh, thank God! Because I, I appreciate it. This is this is what happens when you're a proctologist. Did he take you to like Morton's or some nice restaurant afterward? He better have. <laughs>
1: that's what happens when I'm out. It's you know, it's, honestly, it's just I never thought like all this was going to happen when I went into the profession. Oh, the other reason people go, "Why'd you go into proctology?" I said, "Well, I wanted to be a comedian. I had no material, <laughs> so I went into proctology, and now I can be a comedian." I mean, it just it never ends. David. It just never ends.
0: I hear you. I did stand up and I was bad at it. So that's how I got into radio. (laughs) So, okay. I, I do have one thing I want to talk to you about because my girlfriend suffers from this and I used to suffer from it. I can tell you about how I got cured, but not important. I don't know if there's a medical name for it, but it's shy pooping. Basically, she can't poop unless she's at the home base. Like at work, she could not do it and then the second she gets home, the bowels relax or maybe the brain sends you know pheromones or hormones or some sort of signal to your your, your bowels and, and you can let it go. Like if she's a block away from the house, she can go. She's like, oh I feel it coming, but she holds it in all day and I say this is not good for you, but what are you gonna do? She's still fairly regular. and I used to have this to the point where if I was at a party because I have IBS, I would like go home um ibsd non-ibsc ibs diarrhea i would like orbit my social life orbited my house because i needed quick access now i can poop in the middle of fifth avenue it's fine <laughs> i can do it on a plane you know i'm I'm easy i still have shy peeing on planes really uh, that's a story for another time yeah yeah <laughs> childhood trauma my dad used to go to the racetrack and if his horse was running and i had to pee i'd get screamed at uh <laughs> d- don't yell at your kids i guess is you know what? I'm going, down, <laughs> I'm going down a stream of consciousness journey, but I, what I want to talk about is shy pooping. Have you heard about this? Have you talked to patients about this?
1: That's specifically the term shy pooping. However, many people don't like to go out in public. Um, you know, when you think about stool, you think about you know, rectal hemorrhoids, it's all embarrassing. And, you know, when you go out in public You know, if you fart, you're going to make noise and you get out of the stall. People are going to see you. And that's that embarrassment. Oh, now they know they've seen me and they know that I was farting in a stall or the smell.
0: Yeah, God forbid they know that I pooped like it's wild. The logic there.
1: I know. But being out in public or the toilet seat and who else has peed on it, you know, more for men than women. because women all sit when they pee, but I'm sure the toilet seats could be.
0: Well, some women hover and they don't hover well, so they get it all over the lid just like men. It's gross.
1: That's true. Yeah. Public toilets. And then if you're at a friend's, it's one restroom. There's 30 people. There's a party. You walk, you walk out. Some walks in and, you know, it could have been the third person behind you, but they don't know it. You're the one who walked out. So, you know, it's yours. And it's, you know, it's it quote unquote embarrassing. So, Behind the scenes, the subconscious knows where you are, and it just—you just you just don't have to go. And then as soon as you get closer to home, it knows that you're getting closer to home, and things start to stimulate and go, oh, now I have to go to the bathroom. So it's a real thing. Um, you know, I have a fiber. It's called Perfect Poop. It's just raw psyllium. It works for IBSD and C. It works for constipation diarrhea. And the biggest complaint I have when I see people is that, okay, doctor, I am going to the bathroom better than I ever have, but I am so mad at you. And I said, why? Because I went into the grocery store, started pushing my cart. I was down the aisle and I had to poop and I pooped in public and I never pooped in public. And now I'm pooping in public because when I have to go, it's a really strong urge. And that's what a good bowel movement will do. And that's the biggest complaint is they have to go in public. And I say, well, how was your bowel movement in public? That was amazing, but I just don't want to go out in public. And now the brain, it can't control whether you're going or not going because when the volume is large and soft and the rectum gets a hold of it and starts to push, you got to go. It's just like peeing. If you drank a full glass of water and then went out to the market and 20 minutes later, I mean, there's a nice eight ounce glass of water. You drink it in like 10 seconds. Within 20, 30 minutes, you got to go to the bathroom. You're not going to hold it until you get home. You go in the bathroom and you pee. Taking fiber doesn't make you go in 20 minutes, but six hours later when you got to go, it's like, okay, time to go. And behind the scenes, the brain knew there was a bathroom there. If you're driving your car, it's typically not going to do it. But if you stop your car and you go into a fast food restaurant, you know, because you're on a long trip, now the brain knows there's a bathroom. And it starts to stimulate and go, oh, I go to the bathroom in this fast food restaurant and I can't believe this Mm -hmm. is going to happen, but I'm going to go do it. So that's what psyllium fiber will do for pretty much everybody. And I'm a huge fan. I've been taking it for 26 years and I'll never stop. I'm writing this down. Psyllium fiber. <laughs> psyllium, Yeah, psyllium fiber. It's all over all my TikTok videos. I talk about it all the time, and I've been talking about it since I got into uh, into my profession because it's in all of our books. It's the number one, basically the number one uh, remedy for relief of you know so many different ailments of anal rectal colorectal health, uh, lowering the risk of getting diverticular disease, diverticulitis, for hemorrhoids, for fissures, for itching. I mean, you name it. The books say take psyllium, take psyllium, take psyllium, and the better the bowel and the better the health. It lowers cholesterol uh, naturally. It helps balance blood sugar. The good bacteria eat it, and the good bacteria are great for our immunity. So when they grow and, and multiply and, 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 um, and, and improve their health in our colon, then our, our basically our immunity improves uh, taking it about a half hour before meals makes us full because it expands in the stomach, so it can help with weight control and weight loss. If someone's working out and taking psyllium, they could actually it'll help with their with their eating. It'll curb what they're eating, so that's great for you know maintaining weight control. Um, yeah, it's got it's just got so many health benefits. I've been like I said, I've been taking it since I was thirty one and now fifty seven, and I'll never stop.
0: You look good now. I will say for some people, just like you're saying when you're in the car, you're not going to go because the brain knows the case, the case of being a shy pooper is so severe that they couldn't do it in public, even with this fiber. Um, And I think it's fine. But what my worry for these people and what my worry is for my girlfriend, if she is in fact, one of these people is that like when you take a vacation at a friend's, you know, house, a cabin with only one bathroom and six people there, or when you're traveling and you're on in unfamiliar, perhaps adversarial pooping conditions, you're going to end up holding it in for five, six, seven days, and have all kinds of problems like the impacted stool that we're talking about. And so, I worry for her.
1: Sure, and I mean, one of the things is again, the fiber drink a lot of water, and that will stimulate it. And if not, and I tell people when they're traveling, that's the number one way to get constipated because that's really where the brain kicks in. I don't want to. One, I'm not going to eat or drink a lot before I get on a plane because the last place I want to have a bowel movement is on a plane.
0: It's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> one for you, for you, yeah. I
1: mean, yeah, I hear you in that. a one foot by one foot square box. People don't. It's even hard to sit, you know. Let alone, you know, stand and pee. You know, sit and go to the bathroom.
0: It's not so good, but it's not so bad.
1: So, and then by the time you get to where you're going, maybe it's a two three hour flight, and then you have to get, you know get to the Uber or get your lift or get your rental car, get to the hotel. I mean, it, it could be a twenty four hour period before you actually you know get to a bathroom and they get constipated. So I tell them, take your fiber, drink water, and take some. Uh, Take some uh, gentle laxative with you, like Seneca and just have it. So when you get to the hotel, you can take it. So for people who you know really have a difficult time uh, having bowel movements in other you know bathrooms besides their own, the shy poop, having a gentle laxative with them so they can take it and they will go to the bathroom in someone else's home because it is important. You're right. You don't want to hold the stool for four or five days because it gets large and firm and hard and makes that much more difficult to come out in the future, which risks hemorrhoid issues and fissure issues. And again, as you said very you know uh very well said uh, the vehicle impaction
0: yeah and another thing i'll say you mentioned earlier people are shy to go at work maybe because the people in the bathroom will know that they pooped and i don't see it like that at all uh if someone at work like i know they're in the stall maybe i recognize their shoes or maybe i see them come out afterward and they were in that stall making a loud farty blowing ass as we say and then they come out. I think that's a real power move. I think that shows that you're a badass in the office and that you're a very confident individual. I don't see that as embarrassing. I see that as impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, for some people, sure. I mean, but maybe they don't know you think that because they're thinking in their head, "Oh my god, that was so embarrassing." But there are some people. You're right. They've got a lot of uh, they've got a, a lot of good self esteem. They let go of a, a loud fart, and typically means they're eating a fair amount of fiber, and they walk out proud that. You know, they did that or, you know, went to the bathroom in a stall at work. You know, I have no issue. I mean, like I said, taking psyllium every day, I'll be getting ready to see a patient. I'll be sitting, talking to them. And all of a sudden, it just happens where I'm getting that urge and I'll, I, I get done talking. I say, get ready. I'll be back. And in the time that they're getting ready, I go to the bathroom, have a bowel movement, come back, you know, wash my hands, do my thing, come in. They had no idea that I went and had, went to the bathroom. It only takes like 30 seconds when you're, when you're eating that much fiber and drinking that much water. It really is the same amount of time as urinating. you sit, you crap, you flush, wipe, you know wash your hands, you're out the door, and I can do that between patients when I have to because of taking psyllium all the time. I take it two, three times a day and um and it's a gift I mean you know I, I don't think or worry about going to the bathroom, and it is a big thing for people, that's why people don 't come to my office they're so embarrassed and I get it i I had my hemorrhoids treated. I had to see one of my partners when I was in Beverly Hills. I was having itching, and it was unbearable. And I said, all right, let's see, treat my hemorrhoids. I know it's part of the problem, and it works. I've done it for people, so let's do this. And I also want to know what my patients are going through. It's always good to know what, what, they, you know, what they're having done, and I had the opportunity to do that. You know. And I was on the other side of the table, and I'm like, wow, you know, I wonder what he's thinking. And I'm like, I know what he's thinking. He's not thinking anything. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's just this job. He doesn't care.
1: He doesn't care, and I'm on the other side of the table as a patient, and then my brain starts going. I'm like, well, that's pretty interesting that my brain's going, and I, this is what I do for a living. So I had him treated. Things got better, and you know, and I'm thinking if that's me, yeah, people, and one, the embarrassment, and two, the fear of pain. Um, you know, Most people, when you go on the internet and you read about hemorrhoids, all you're reading are fissures or anything. All patients are reading about is how horrible the experience was. They had an exam. It was just, they they could barely walk out, they had pain for a week. If I'm reading that, I don't want to go to the doctor either. After patients see me and they had zero pain, they're like, wow, I mean, that was great. I thought it was going to be so painful. I say, well, it's our our job as professionals, especially subspecialists, not to hurt you. So do me a favor, go online and start writing about it and let people know it doesn't hurt. And They kind of smile and say, I'm not telling anybody I came to the proctologist. (laughs) not a chance and i'm like well that's why we're the rodney danger field of all the professions I mean, we get no respect i mean no one will talk about us you know i mean they'll talk about everybody their hairdresser their dentist you know the plastic surgeon that did their plastic surgeon talk about everybody but not the proctologist
0: i love it let's talk a bit about your practice i don't normally give out phone numbers on my show but i love the phone number of your practice it's (laughs) 805-230 butts b-u-t-z or in Canadian, I still speak Canadian. It's is B U T Z. And your practice is what north of Los Angeles, or
1: it's uh, yeah north of Los Angeles and uh, northwest. It's uh, uh, Thousand Oaks, California, which is about well, without traffic about fifty minutes from from uh, L A. And in traffic, it's about three days. California <laughs> traffic's horrible. Um, yeah, I've been out here since uh, two thousand fifteen, and I've been in practice since ninety seven. And yeah, actually, you know, you're not. Back in the day, you could call the operator and and when you wanted a phone number, and they would help you out. And they stopped doing that. And uh, you know, I was just saying, "Well, I was really hoping to get a number." And she was like, "Well, I know we're not supposed to." Do it. I go, "Well, I'm a proctologist, and I want something butt-related." She goes, "I'm in." <laughs> she goes, "I'm in." I, we got to find this, and she was really excited to do it when I told her what was going on, and we ended up finding the.
0: There it is. I love it. Okay, tell me about the TikTok. You're at Tushy Doc. When did you start getting into making these videos? Probably
1: about. Two and a half months ago, I've been told by so many people to be on social media. And I had a Facebook business page and I wasn't sure if I wanted to start doing videos. I've got three teenage boys and I was thinking about them and you know, one's 20, one's 18, one's 16. And part of it was, you know, just kind of doing content all the time. And so a friend of mine said, you know, this is what I do for a living, and I'm telling you, it's time. And I heard it so many people, I said, All right, I'm gonna do it. And I made my first video on anal itching, and I texted all three of my kids on a group text, and I said, don't hate the player, hate the game. Your dad (laughs) is now on TikTok. And I I shit you not, within I think a millisecond, my middle son texted back in all caps, dad, do not post anything. That's how you knew you were on the right track. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, don't post anything, it was too late, I already posted. And I mean, I have not got a text that quick for my kids. I usually text them and I don't they ghost me. I mean, they you know they're teenagers, they don't want to talk to their dad. And I texted dad, and within a millisecond, it's like, do not post. But they're watching and they actually comment. My son said, Wow, dad, you have six thousand followers. I'm impressed, you know. And um, so that's how I got on. And I just to me it was just about disseminating information. When I talk to patients, I just say, Look, I am a professor, you know, and I'm here to teach anybody who comes in about you know, what's going on in their body, uh, how to get better, how to stay healthy in the realm of colorectal and, you know, that, to do a colonoscopy if needed. What anybody does is their decision. We're all adults. So all I can do is lead the horse to water. But my job for me, the whole goal is to educate and I'm doing one at a time. So when I'm on TikTok and I've, you know, and there's like 10,000 views on a video, I'm thinking, wow, I may have helped someone in there with whatever issues they were having. And that, to me, was all it was about. It, is if I get this information out there, people can, people can be healthier in their in their colorectal, and health, which is it's a big thing. I mean, when your butt hurts, it's debilitating. Oh, believe me, I know. I know people don't want to go to work, and you know it's hard to work. It's hard to go out. They don't want to be with friends. It, it, it's just really just stuck, and it is so difficult. And um, if we can avoid the problems by having better bowel movements and just a healthier, you know, diet, healthier life, it just it helps. So that. That's how I got onto TikTok and and then uh, Instagram, and uh, yeah, Tushy Doc was something. My and I have two amazing women in my office, and they said you need to call the people that your 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 followers something, and they came up with Tushy Team. They said yeah, they should be the Tushy Team. I said okay, so I have the Tushy Team and the Tushy Doc and. I'm having a blast. I mean, I really enjoy it. I love, I love getting the information out there. I do a few spiritual videos here and there as well, because um, I'm big into spirituality and and uh, self introspection and just trying to change. You know, every day be a little bit better today than I was yesterday. And um, that was that was really big for me. That was a journey that uh, that I've been on for about eight years, and it, it's been huge. It's helped my practice. It's helped me see what I do differently. It helps me see my patients differently. I'm way more empathetic than I used to be.
0: Well, now I got to ask. I wasn't going to, but what, what sparked the spiritual journey from eight years ago?
1: Um, well, so the joke is that, you know, the difference between God and a
0: surgeon. A surgeons exist? No, sorry. What was it?
1: Yeah. God knows he's not a surgeon. <laughs> right. So big egos. So I just had a big ego. Life was kind of miserable. And um, I did a lot of couples therapy with the boy's mom. And then uh, one day, one of the therapists said, you know, I think you need to go into a 12-step, you need to go into a 12-step program called al uh, He said, you know, in your life growing up and, you know, all all kids grow up with a little bit of trauma in their home and, you know, the way the behavior was, what I was saying. He said, I think, you, I think you'd benefit. There's a lot of guys that are struggling and they do this and they do really well. And I said, okay. So I went in and I realized that it was just, it was all spiritual. It was just all about getting your ego. And, you know, I listened to these guys that, you know, that would say, man, my brain's the problem it's my thinking you know and i started i was really listening and and um you know the way i see it, my high power I call god puts me everywhere i need to go and many years ago one of the uh, chairmen uh the chairman that actually trained me in colorectal bob beard he was one of the premier colorectal surgeons in the world and um a couple of the community proctologists were talking about hemorrhoids or we were talking about hemorrhoids and he asked them specifically what do you think and i'm like I went up to him after. I said, you got you to help me with this, Dr. Beard. And so what I said, you're the premier colorectal surgeon in the world. And you're asking these two community surgeons about their experience with hemorrhoids. You know way more than they do. And he looked at me and said, you know, David, he said, I do colorectal surgery and I do hemorrhoids. These, these gentlemen do about 50 times more hemorrhoids than I do. They have more experience than I do. And when someone has more experience than you, listen to them because you can gain knowledge. And when I went into that program and I heard these, and I went into a men's program, I heard these men speaking. It brought me right back to what he said of, you know, you got to be humble and listen to people. I'm like, well, they have the experience. They've been doing this. They're living a really good life. I'm pretty miserable in my head. I mean, I just feel like life is coming at me, not for me. I just stopped and listened, and from that, I just kept growing and growing, and you know, doing what needed to be done, and staying on that spiritual journey. Um, and honestly, I mean, it's just it has changed me. I mean, I just feel everybody should be looking at that because most of us really walk through life you know, thinking it's really difficult, when actually it's a lot easier than we think. It's we're making it difficult.
0: Well, I can relate to that, and I'm I'm not an AA, but I'm an alcoholic, and uh, it's interesting that you you found that through on. Like, uh, is that common that people enter these programs not terribly spiritual and uh, spiritual and exit them more spiritual?
1: Absolutely. If you do the work, I mean, some people go in and just listen and then you know do their thing, but if you really work the steps and really, really, I mean, the first step is to admit that you're powerless, right? I mean, here I was, thought I was God, and I'm being told, no, you're not. You know, there's something bigger than you. So stop trying to control everything around you. You're powerless over alcohol, you know, and your and your life is unmanageable. Like an alcohol could be anything. You're powerless over, you know, whatever the whatever the government's doing. You're powerless over your taxes. Powerless over, you know, people around you, people, places, and things. So you know, so we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, and our lives had become unmanageable. And so I admit that, you know, did I I didn't have the power to control anything, and that really was a it was a blessing for me. It took a lot of weight off my shoulders because I felt that my job was to tell you, David, what to do. I know nothing about broadcasting. I know nothing about podcasting. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> okay? I would be telling you how to do your job because I thought I knew how to do it better than you did. So you were before this spiritual awakening. You're a bit of a jerk. Uh, yeah, I was kind of. Uh, yeah, I was in your face telling you what to do most of the time. And that's kind of how i grew up i mean i was told how to do things all the time without having the dignity to just let me do it on my
0: own that's how i grew up too we call that having jewish parents
1: yes <laughs> yes do it this way do it that way you know why, why you're, whatever and so i did that to the boy's mom i did it to them to my children you know and i didn't like it when it was done to me i didn't like being told what to do all the time it stripped me of my dignity to do it on my own and what was interesting as you know i mean you live on your own, you're out, right? And then you get back with your parents and they're telling you what to do. It's like, you're not telling me what to do when I'm away. You trust me to do it. But for some reason, when I get home, I, I can't make a turkey sandwich the way you want me to. You know, And it's for me. It's not even i making it for you. I'm making it for me. And you're telling me how to, how to do this and how to do that. So that was, that was a lot of it. And, and, and definitely, I mean, I chose a profession. Oh my gosh. Uh, one, most people have a negative voice in their head because of how they were brought up. We can't do anything right. So we become a failure in our own mind. We feel a lot of shame. We feel a lot of guilt. And that kind of comes out to other people. So I take out my inner pain, hurt people, hurt people. So I then come after you and hurt you and insult you. And I'm sarcastic and make you feel bad. I
0: know this cycle well. I'm failing to see the connection between spirituality. I guess just this idea that you're not the center of the universe.
1: Correct. And then knowing that something else is and then surrendering to that, saying, hey, you take care of the problem. So You know, when someone comes up and says, "Hey, you know," they're not they're not asking you. They're just, "Hey, I'm having this problem, and you know, I I, I'm struggling. I don't have any money, and um, you know, I can't pay my bills. And you know, you're listening to them, and they're just kind of venting, and they don't have a job, right? They're not working. They don't have a job. They don't want to look for a job, but they're complaining they don't have any money. And you get to sit and say, "Wow, that must be really difficult." Do you need anything from me? No. I, okay good well what do you think you're gonna do i don't know i don't know what i'm gonna do but you know it just really stinks and they go, i hear you It really stinks versus well if you just got a job i mean what's your problem and just go get a job and you'll have money and i'm you know and i'm telling you what to do and how to do it in a really condescending way
0: yeah rather than being uh they're really just looking for someone to listen and instead you're trying to explain to them how they could do it differently
1: right because i'm not i'm not they higher power. And I can ask them, do you want my experience? I ask my kids that all the time now. They'll come to me and start talking about issues they're having either with their brothers or at school. I can say, Well, that really sounds really difficult. You know, what are you gonna do? I don't know. I said, Do you need my experience with that? Do you need anything for me? They go, No. I say, Okay. I appreciate you letting me know.
0: And then with the time that they do ask for your experience, it's actually welcomed advice.
1: Exactly. You know, I just got a lot of experience without asking without asking. It just came to me all the time through my parents. So that's the spiritual nature is just listening to understand, not listening to talk. A lot of people listen so they can just talk at you and just tell you what to do. And um, and now also the spiritual part is when people tell me what to do and, and I didn't ask them, I get to say, well, you know what? We all have a part, I believe, we all have a part of God in us. We are all, there's a piece of God in every single one of us which connects us. And the way God talks to me is through you or anybody else that's talking to me, even if they're being insulting or yelling or whatever it is. There's a message there. Ignore the noise. Hear the message. So I listen and I remind myself that I have two ears and one mouth, so I should listen twice as hard as I talk <laughs> and just hear what they have to say. Even if I didn't ask for it and I might not like it, I can walk around and say, okay, what, what can I get? What can I take from that? What's, what's the benefit? What's the blessing of what was just said? And then I walk away thinking, wow, I just got a benefit from that versus, wow, this person is really controlling and trying to tell me what to do. And I, you know, get in an argument with them that they have no idea what they're talking about, and we go round and round and round. And most people, David, are saying that and saying it in a way that's a little bit condescending if they do, because again, they're hurting and they want to get an argument with you so they can deflect what they're feeling onto something else. Because I don't like how I'm feeling, and that's the and it's in a lot of therapy as well. And then did also, besides the twelve step, I did three years of trauma therapy and had a great book that helped, you know, put the pieces together about why my behavior was so controlling or shaming or blaming or manipulative i didn't know how to communicate david i was not really taught well how to communicate my feelings
0: neither was i but i've been to a way too much therapy <laughs> david i'm so glad i asked you about the spirituality thing i love how this interview went the first half is just absurd talking about all kinds of things about the butt and then we went deep i really appreciate you coming here and, and being here Funny.
1: <laughs> we went deep <laughs> it was like a colonoscopy
0: Pun I'm gonna say intentional, even though it wasn't. Uh, we did go deep. Uh, okay, I gotta ask you though. What's the weirdest thing you've ever found in someone's butt? A vibrator. I and mean, it's always the vibrator, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it is. It's true. It, it was. Um, it was a long time ago, and a gentleman came to the ER, and I got the call that um, you know he, he was with his uh, his partner, and uh, he just admitted it. Yeah, it's there, it's stuck, and um, you know I, you could hear it with the stethoscope and. Um, yeah, it was on. It was still on, actually. It had been on for about nine hours.
0: Oh, boy. Nine
1: hours? <laughs> yeah, at, at that point, by the time I got into the operating room a couple hours later, it had been on for 11 hours. It did not. He
0: never wants to stimulate his prostate again. That's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're going to use toys in the butt, they should have, a. would either be very long or have a very wide base. That's my advice to people.
1: That's true. Or I I, I shared with people, you know, get a very heavy, like 40 pound um, fishing line and tie it up. <laughs> Forty pound test. <laughs> Forty pound test, eighty pound test to tie it out so you can pull it back. But the thing is it's going in, it's going in with a narrow end and then the, the, the base is flat. And then when it guts up on that angle, it's really hard to get it down and out around the, 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 the um the sacrum because the sacrum is now it's in an angle where it's kinda of going Oh, uh, sp- you're hurting me. <laughs> I know. And it, so we got I mean, I got very lucky I was able to get it out in, in the OR when he was relaxed. And um so that that was one and then someone came into my office with a like kind of a a keychain ornament, kind of like a little light. Um, you know, he and his wife were playing around and and uh, that one was a lot easier. I could feel it. It was it was moving around, so I just gave him an enema and said it'll come out when you go to the bathroom. Gave
0: him some crap and told him to shut up.
1: <laughs> don't don't flush because I don't want you to flush that and plug the toilet. But, but those are those are you know a few of the things.
0: Well, I'm glad I asked. David, I'm gonna let you go. Thanks so much for doing this with me. It was a lot of fun.
1: Sure. I appreciate it. David, thank you so much.
0: All right. And folks can find your fantastic videos at Tushy Doc on TikTok. Thank you.